Hello and welcome to Living Hope. This is Pastor Staten, and I want to welcome everybody that is joining us today. A shout out to our E family, all of you that are joining us through the internet. I want to remind you every Sunday morning at 11 o'clock, you can join us live at tv.livinghopemd.com. I pray that today's message blesses you and that you enjoy the word as it is shared today. I'm so lost to be found, and I know it's in my mind. Hallelujah. Amen. The most important part of the service is the preaching of the word. And I know it might be a few minutes later on, on a Sunday than we normally get the preacher up here. But we won't do this for another 10 years, so I don't apologize. But again, this church, we're mature enough to push beyond. And, and when the preacher gets up here, we're going to help him preach. And I believe God has ordained a word for this service. In fact, I believe this. Some of you I was walking around praying for and with you, and I believe this. God is going to use Brother Wilson. Many of you, Brother Wilson doesn't even know you. And you don't know him, but God is going to use him to speak a word, and you're going to wonder who told him. How did he know? He didn't. And nobody told him. God spoke to him. Amen. Amen. Thank God for what he's doing in Neo right now. Hallelujah. Amen. This weekend has been an incredible weekend already. Again, I say our praise team, didn't they do an absolute amazing job all weekend long? And every individual that had any role this week, all of our, uh, many of you are young ministers who helped be armor bearers for our ministers throughout the weekend. Thank you. Amen. The hospitality of this church. Amen. The gift baskets for our ministers. Thank you. Everybody who's had any part to play, servers and the, the, the meals that have been provided, we honor you. It's been such an incredible weekend. And I'm honored today to have, um, if, if there's anyone today, there are several possibly, but one that I would say is a son in the gospel to me. As Paul would write to Timothy and declare him to be a son in the gospel, James is my son in the gospel, and I'm so proud of him and all that he is accomplishing. And I prayed this, James, years ago, me and you talked, and I prayed over you that God is going to take you further than he would take me. And he was going to anoint you greater than he anointed me. You remember that? And I'm, I'm so thankful to see God is doing that. More thankful than that, I'm proud of you for how you have stayed humble. And you've continued to carry the gospel forward and not let it go to your head. I'm proud of you. Amen. Amen. And I want Brother Wilson to come right now. I want him to have liberty. I don't want you to care about what time it is. I want you to preach. All right, because this church is going to help you preach. Amen. So, Brother Wilson, would you come right now? Amen. Are you thankful for the presence of the Lord that we felt in this place today? One more time, why don't you put your hands together for the Lord? I know the hour is late, so we will go directly to the word of the Lord. Why don't you turn your Bibles to Job chapter 27. Job 27, and we will begin reading at verse number 17. And as you're turning there, I must take time to honor our pastor and our leadership. I don't know where I would be without Pastor Jason Sister Valerie Staten, I really don't know where I would be, and I honor them today for their leadership in my life and their leadership in the, in the life of everyone in this church. Can we one more time just honor Pastor and Sister Valerie, Brooke, Dakota, Riley, Cameron. Come on, can you give them a round of applause? Come on, make some noise. Show them a little love this morning. And I, I would go on and on, but I do feel like God is doing something, and I do want to get directly to the word of the Lord. I honor each and every one of you. Um, honor Brother Huckabee. Thank you so much for the word that God spoke through you this Friday night. Can we just give Brother Huckabee one more round of applause for being here with us this weekend? Amen. 
remember remember conversations we've had in times past. We were kind of reminiscing about that the other day and just so thankful for his leadership and the way God has used him in my life. And uh, there's so many that I could speak about and talk about. Uh, this is just the greatest church in the world. It really is. And God has blessed us to be able to travel and go different places, but there is no other place I'd rather be, I promise you, than right here at Living Hope. This is the greatest church in the world. I mean that. It's the greatest, with the greatest people in the world, and I'm just, so much I could say, but I just want to move. I'm so thankful to have my wife with me today, Carly, I love you. And she's been such a blessing to me, and I love her. So, so thankful for her. Job chapter 27, verse number 16. Job is speaking for what would be one of his last times. He's rebuttaled every one of his friends that has told him how wicked and how sinful he must be that God would heap down upon him all of the punishments and the sickness and all the trials that have faced Job. Job here begins to speak in rebuttal to what they've said to him about the wicked. He begins to speak about the evil. He begins to tell them about the end of his adversary. He says in Job chapter 27 and verse 16, speaking of his adversary, though he heap up silver as the dust and prepare raiment as the clay, he may prepare it, but the just shall put it on, and the innocent shall divide the silver. Job said, he may prepare raiment, and if you know what that word means, that's just good old King James E's for clothes. He may prepare some clothes. He may prepare some garments for himself. He may prepare it, but he goes on and he lets everybody know that's standing in the midst. He may prepare it. The wicked, the evil, your enemy, your adversary, he may prepare it. But the just, you and I, we are going to put it on. I want to preach with the help of the Holy Ghost, and I promise I will try not to be long. And every time you say that, you preach for five hours. But I'm going to try my best. I want to preach with the help of the Holy Ghost on this title, Hell's Hand-Me-Downs. Turn to somebody and say, I'm getting ready to put on Hell's Hand-Me-Downs. Some of you don't know what you're saying right now, but go ahead and say it anyway. Prophesy in the spirit today. I'm getting ready to put something on. I'm getting ready to put on some victory. I'm getting ready to put on freedom in this place. He may prepare it, but the just shall put it on. One more time, lift up your hands and let's pray together, shall we? God, thank you for your presence we feel in this place. Thank you for the anointing that is here. God, I pray in Jesus' name that you would continue to speak. I feel like you've given me a word for us given me a word for this church, and I pray, Lord, let me deliver it, God, with power, with anointing. Let your spirit speak in this place. Let it not be the words of man, but let it be the words of God in this place. We give you praise. We give you glory in Jesus' name. One more time, why don't you clap your hands unto the Lord? Amen, amen, amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. It was dark, and it was cold. The pungent scent of every soiled soul saturated the atmosphere, a place where snakes slithered in the shadows and sundry spiders spun their webs without interruption. It was not a place he thought he would ever be, but nonetheless a place where Joseph the dreamer now dwelled in the dungeon. But his fortunes did not remain dismal forever. 
The darkness was eventually shattered by God's light, and that light lifted him out of the dungeon and into Pharaoh's palace. Here they removed those rags afforded him in his former state and placed on him the royal robes of a king. Joseph, son of Jacob, now the king of the land of Egypt, giving way to an era of peace and prosperity. A promise fulfilled, a famine frustrated, a family free. However, now in Exodus chapter 1, that peaceful, prosperous era seems but a faint memory. For the Bible tells us that there arose a Pharaoh in Egypt who knew not Joseph. This Pharaoh stripped Israel of their garments of prosperity and placed on them the rags of a slave. No doubt rags reminiscent of those their father Joseph wore in that dark dungeon wherein he once dwelled. Why, do you ask, did this Pharaoh inflict this severe penalty on the children of Israel? Was it because they threatened him? Was it because they attacked him? Was it because a secret plot to overtake their kingdom was uncovered? No, no such thing is ever mentioned in the scripture. But the reason for Pharaoh's exercise wrath upon the children of Israel is contained in Exodus chapter number 1 where it says, Behold, the children of Israel are more and mightier than we. Let me stop here on my way to my point this morning and remind someone of this simple but oft-forgotten truth. The enemy does not afflict you because you are weak. The enemy does not attack you because you're frail. Hell does not target the delicate, decrepit, or the debilitated. No, 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 no. The reason all of hell has been fighting you is because the enemy knows you're more and you're mightier than him. And if you ever wake up to your potential, his kingdom will come down. Let me put it to you this way. Hell fights what hell fears. You think you're being attacked because the enemy sees weakness. You think you're fighting because hell sees vulnerability. You think you're fighting because the enemy senses imminent victory. No, hell is fighting because it's scared. It's terrified of your potential. It's petrified of your prayers. Hell knows the hand of God is on your life. I said, hell knows they're teaching Bible studies. Hell knows they're praying. They're fasting. They're getting in the presence of God. And if they ever realize who they are, if the sleeping giant ever awakes, my kingdom, it will come. I've come to preach to somebody right now. The reason you've been fighting is because they're. There's more in you. You're mightier than every devil that opposes you. You're greater than every opposition that faces you. I've come to preach to somebody. You're more than a conqueror. Greater is he that's within you. Than Come on. Don't you quit fighting. Don't you quit praying. Don't you quit fasting. Stay in the fight because victory is on the way. Victory. Living Hope, it's been 40 years of fighting. It hasn't always been easy. It hasn't always been a walk in the park. But can I tell you the reason why the enemy has fought this church so very hard? It's because the devil knows what we have inside of every one of us. The devil knows that if we ever realize greater is he that's within us and begin to operate in our God-given authority, there's a revival that would tear down his kingdom. There's a revival that... Come on, somebody. I said it's time to realize the devil knows who you are, and that's why he's fighting. But stay, stay in the fight. Keep praying. I've come to preach living hope. It's time to call the devil's bluff. Devil, you know who we are, and you're scared. 
You know the revival that's getting ready to come to this church, and you're terrified. You know our backslidden family is getting ready to walk through those doors, and that's why it's been a fight. But if a fight is what you want, devil, a fight is what you're going to get because I'm greater, I'm more, I'm mightier, I'm Come on, I'm in this thing because I know that God is with me. And if God is with me, who can be against me? Come on, is there anybody that would say, I'm going to get in the fight? Come on, I'm not backing down. I'm not giving up. I'm not throwing in the towel. But I believe that I'm more and I'm mightier than the devil that opposes me. But all they, though they were mightier and more, the Bible tells us that Pharaoh was still able to clothe them in rags, put them to forced labor, and make them slaves to Egypt. How? How does that happen? They were truly mightier and more. How was Pharaoh able to make them less? How is it that the feeble can conquer the fearsome? How does the lowly overtake the lofty? How is it that the weak Egyptians subdue the powerful children of Israel? I'll tell you exactly how because Israel did not know who they were. See, when you don't know who you are, the enemy dictates who you will become. When you do not know who you are, the enemy can tell you everything that he wants you to become. You think they would have willingly taken beatings if they had known who they were? You think they would have willingly plotted around in those rags had they known the power that was in them, the change it was there all along? What mother in her right mind would have let some imposter snatch her newborn baby from her grip had she realized she had the power to stop it? No, but when you don't know who you are. You give the enemy the power to dictate who you'll become. But I believe that there are some people in this place that can testify. I know who I am and I know whose I am. I'm not some limp, wristed, weak, feeble Christian, but I'm a child of the Almighty God. There's royalty flowing through my veins. Come on, it's time for you to realize who you are, Living Hope. I said, I'm tired of the devil telling us who we are and what we're going to be. No, the devil is a liar. We're going to see revival. We're going to see harvest. We're going to see God do incredible things. Come on, there's more in you than what you think. Oh, I wish I had about five people that would realize. I wish I had about ten people that would say, devil, I'm getting ready to see great things because I'm more. I'm mightier. You can't blind me any longer. You can't keep my face veiled. I know who I am. I know that I once was blind, but now I see. I know I was once on my way to a devil's hell, but he saved me. He redeemed me. He set me free, and I'm going to say so. I'm going to shout so. I'm going to. I wish the redeemed of the Lord would begin to say so right now. I wonder if there's somebody that knows who they are. Come on. I'm tired of hell telling us who we are. Come on. We're more and we are mightier than he. Come on, somebody. Israel doesn't know who they are. But Pharaoh knew. Enemy knows exactly who you are. Bible says, Pharaoh knowing exactly who they are, says, let us deal wisely with them. You see, this plan to make them slaves was not devised on a whim. They consulted with one another. They deliberated over it. They carefully considered what they do. They devised an intentional plan to invoke evil upon the children of Israel. Said it was intentional. It was meant for them, drawn up for them. 
an attack conjured up in the boardroom of the palace just for them. But here's the thing about our God. God is in the business of taking the evil that was meant to destroy us and using that same evil to bless us. Can I tell you their father, Joseph, that man who traded rags for royal robes, said it this way. As for you, you meant it evil against me. But God, but God, but God. God meant it for my good. Uh, living hope in 40 years of existence. Uh, the enemy has tried to destroy this church. Uh, but devil, what you meant for evil, God turned it around for our good. Uh, can I preach right now? Uh, come on, the church split should have destroyed us. Uh, but God turned it around for our good. Uh, COVID-19 should have took us out. Uh, but God turned it around for our good. Uh, come on, devil. Uh, what you meant to take my family out. Uh, God turned it around for my good. Come on, we shouldn't have had revival with eight parking spots uh, and two sketchy bathrooms. But God turned it around. Come on, the devil thought he was going to destroy this church. But with every trial, we've gotten stronger. With every test, we've gotten greater. You thought it was going to take us out, devil. But we're still here, and we're stronger than ever. I said we're still praising. We're still dancing. We're still worshiping. We still got the victory. We still got the authority. You meant it for evil, but God turned it for good. Oh, I wonder if there's anybody that can testify. God turned it around for my good. Come on. That car wreck should have killed me, but he turned it. I should have lost my mind, but he turned it. I should have been strung out on drugs, but he turned it. That depression should have crippled me, but he turned it. It was a deliberate attack from hell to take me out. But God used it to turn it around for my good. Sister Valerie, the devil tried to attack your health, but God has turned it around for good. Come on. Devil, what you meant to destroy our pastor's wife, it built a prayer warrior. It built a woman of God that's going to tear your... Come on. It was meant to destroy me, but God, but God, he turned it around for my good. Come on, some of you should have been dead a long time ago, but God turned it around. You should have been out of church a long time ago, but God turned it around. Brother Roberts, just a few months ago, just a year or so ago, the devil tried to take you out of here because the devil knew that you were more and mightier. The devil knew the plan that God had for you in Wisconsin. And he said, if I can just take them out right now, I might stop what God's getting ready to do. But can I tell you what the enemy meant? What the enemy meant to destroy him. God turned it around for good. And now he's having revival. And come on, somebody. That's the God I serve. That's the God I worship. That's the God I praise. I wonder if somebody would make the devil mad right now by giving God praise in the midst of what you're... I wonder if you let hell know after 40 years of tests and trials, we're still here. We're still having revival. We're still going to reach this city. Come on, that's it. I just want you to rejoice for a moment. I just want you to celebrate what God has done. Come on, somebody. Brother Bruce, <laughs> the devil tried to take you out when he took your dad out of here. But what God, what the devil meant for evil, God turned it around for good. I remember having conversations with you. But guess what, Brother Bruce? You're still here. You're still faithful. You're still, devil, you can't take us out. We're more. We're, we're more. We're mightier. What the devil meant for evil, God turned it and put great faith, great faith in him. 
Somebody worship him. Can you just reflect right now? Come on, I want you to think back over the last 15, the last 40, the last 30 years. You meant it for evil. I want to preach hope to somebody. Maybe it's, been your, maybe it's your first time. Maybe it's your second or third time. Can I tell you the devil's plan for your life is that you fail, is that you lose out on eternity with God. But can I tell you, God is going to turn that thing around for good. And the next 40 years of this church, should the Lord tarry, you're going to be a part of it. And the next 15 years of, you're going to be a part of it. Because what the enemy meant for evil. God's turning for good. Y'all remember that story? Haman, Mordecai, Bible says. Mordecai, or Haman rather, is frustrated because he's attacked the children of Israel. Pastor, he's told them all the things. He's getting. There's a death sentence looming overhead. But you know what the Bible says that Mordecai does? The Bible says that Mordecai still comes to the king's gates. Can I tell you, that's the testimony of some of us in this place right now. There was a death sentence looming over our head. There was a... You know what I'm talking about? There is something that the enemy meant to destroy our family, destroy our lives, destroy our homes. But there was a Mordecai that said, you know what? I'm still going to come into the king's gates. I'm going to enter into his gates with thanksgiving and enter his courts with praise. Yes, there might be death looming overhead. Yes, my world might not be perfect, but I'm still going to thank him. I'm still going to praise him. I'm still going to worship him. But here's what happens. Bible says, Haman walks out, and he sees Mordecai standing in the king's gates. And when he sees Mordecai standing in the king's gates, the Bible says he gets so angry. Let me tell you, there's nothing that makes the enemy more upset and more angry than a child of God. Even in the midst of all hell breaking loose in your life, even in the midst of the devil speaking death and and decay over you, you still come into the house of God, and you, you want to make the devil mad, still be faithful in the midst of what you're going through. You want to frustrate hell? Listen, I'm not on the devil's side. I'm not coming to play games, but I want to bring the devil's kingdom down. I want to frustrate hell, and the best way I do that is by still coming, still worshiping, still praising. With Bible says, Mordecai, or Haman, after seeing that, devises a plan. You know what? I got something special for this guy. I'm not going to let him die just like everybody else. But the Bible says, and many of us know, that he begins to devise a plan to take Mordecai out. It was a deliberate attack for evil. It was a deliberate attack to destroy Mordecai's life. But you know what happened. The Bible says that those same gallows that Haman devised to take Mordecai's life were the same gallows that Haman himself a few chapters later began to hang on because God takes what the enemy means for evil and he turns it for good. That's not really what I've come to preach about. For we know, and we are very acquainted today, with the concept of God taking the evil that was meant for us and turning it around for our good. But sometimes a subject that we fail to preach about and fail to talk about is the good that was never meant for us. God is the God that also takes that good and turns it to us. 
See, the evil was a deliberate plan to destroy us. And we understand that God can take evil that was meant for us and turn it around for our good. But can I tell you, God also takes the good that was never meant for us. Because hell may prepare it, but the just shall put it on. Bible says in that same story that Mordecai has something that is being prepared for him. The Bible says the king is asleep. Y'all know the story. The king is asleep. He wakes up out of a sleep in the middle of the night. Bible says the king is distraught. And so he bring, tells him, bring, bring me that book that has everything that everybody's done for me and my kingdom. And they begin to look down and they see a man by the name of Mordecai. How he uncovered a secret plot to take the king's life. And the king begins to ask his advisors, has anybody repaid this man for the good he has done for me? And they begin to look and they begin to study. And they say, no, king, he has not been repaid. The Bible says that the king says, we got to do something about this. What must we do for a man that has done such a great thing in my kingdom? The Bible says he begins to look around, and all of a sudden, Haman shows up. Haman, hey, come here for a second. Haman's looking like, oh, I know that tone of voice. Haman strolls over. Yes, my king. He says, Haman, what will I do? What should I do for a man so great in my kingdom that has done so many wonderful things for me that I cannot ever repay him? And the Bible says in the mind of Haman, he begins to think about this thing and says, man, who else could the king be talking about but me? What can I do to prepare for myself a garment that is worthy of my honor, that is worthy of who I am? And the Bible says, Haman says, well, king, you know what I will do? I, now, now, this is just me. Now, you can do what you want to do, but this is just me, all right? Now, what I would do is I would take your royal garments. You know, you know, you know, you know the bright blue one with the gold little you know, thing on, on the front of it? Yeah, I would take that one. And uh, I would put that out, and I would have this man come through. And, and I, now, listen, I want, I want to make sure that this is right for this man, this man, you know, this man. I, I want you to iron it. I want you to steam it just right. I, I want you to prepare it. Now, you know, spray a couple of sprays of cologne on it you know that one that I really like that you have king and Haman begins to prepare this thing he thinks for himself he begins to prepare it he goes down through the list of all the things that he would do I would take your royal ring and I would put it on his finger I would do all these things and he begins to prepare something that he thinks is for him but I've come with a simple word for somebody in this room today they may prepare it, but the just are going to put it on. I said, hell may prepare it, but devil, what you thought was going to serve your good, what you thought was going to serve your kingdom, in all actuality, I'm getting ready to put it on. I'm getting Come on, it was the good that was never meant for me. But can I tell somebody what God does is not only take the evil that was meant for me and turn it around, but the good that was never meant for me, he takes that and he gives it to me as well. Because they may prepare, but the just shall put it on. And the Bible says, after all that was over, he says, Wow. I can imagine, Haman, that was very meticulous. Great detail. You really cared about what you prepared there. He says, yeah, I know, because I think I have a feeling who, who it's for. He said, really? He said, yeah, it's me, right? For you? No. It's for Mordecai. I'm so thankful that you did all the work. I'm so thankful that you did everything that you did because you've gotten it just right. You prepared it just right for him to get ready to put it on. And the Bible says they call Mordecai in. And you know what happens? Haman thought what he had prepared for him. Come here for a second. Come here for a second. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Hurry, 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 hurry. Bible says all of a sudden Haman comes in there. Now, now hopefully I can get this right. 
and what he thought was meant for him. Put it on. Here's the thing that I want to tell somebody in this room right now. There are things that the enemy has prepared for his kingdom. That living hope, we have not done anything to prepare it. We have not done anything to make it happen. We have not done anything to, but we're getting ready to walk into it. We're getting ready to step into it. Devil, you thought you were preparing it for your kingdom, but we're getting ready to put it on. The Bible says that Mordecai put it on. Also in the story, and I'm hurrying to a close right now. The Bible says that Moses begins to, God uses Moses to turn it around for good, the evil that Pharaoh meant for them. They begin to march out of Egypt. They begin to march out. But see, God was not content with them just having the evil that was meant for them turned around for good. But God says to the children of Israel, he says, before you go out the door, he says, the thing that I'm getting ready to do for you is so much greater than what you can ever imagine. And the Bible says that he speaks to them in Exodus chapter 12 and 35. And the Bible says that the people of Israel had also done as Moses told them. For they had asked the Egyptians for silver and gold jewelry and for clothing. And the Lord had given the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. So that they let them have what they asked. Let me tell you what God's getting ready to do for living hope. We're getting ready to have everything that we're asking for. Now, see, some of you think I'm preaching prosperity gospel. I'm not preaching prosperity gospel. I'm preaching to you the will of the Lord for this church. We're getting ready to walk into a dimension where we're going to begin to ask for things, and it's going to happen. We're getting ready to walk into a dimension where we're going to ask for money to build faith to, and it's going to happen. Businessmen in this community who don't even know who we are. You prepared it. But the just are getting ready to put it on. Doctors, lawyers in this community, you thought that you prepared it for yourself. But the just are the next dimension that God is getting ready to usher this church into. We're going to go into a dimension where we have things that we did not build, vineyards we did not plant. Can I tell somebody in this place, God has done it, and we're getting ready to put it on. So the Bible says they go and they march out of Israel. I want you to imagine this scene. The same people that afflicted them, the same people who took their whips and, and whipped them and inflicted pain and heartache and headache upon them. The Bible says they march into their very homes and say, you know what? I know this was for you. I know you've worn this for a long time. I know. You Hold on. There we go. That was bothering some of y'all. I know that you prepared it. I know that you've worn this all your entire life. But can I tell you, you thought that was for you. But that is not for you. God prepared that through you for me. And the Bible says they go in and they begin to take everything. They begin to march in. Can you imagine the authority that they had to exercise to walk into the very and to the very stronghold of those that oppose them and oppress them. See, that's what I'm telling you God is getting ready to do for some of you. The very strongholds that have opposed you, that have oppressed you, the very devil that has tried to destroy you, you're getting ready to walk in and claim what he prepared, but what you're getting ready to put on. Can I tell somebody in this place right now, there's a God-given authority that... God Come on, children of Israel. God has prepared it for you. You just got to put it on. It's standing there available for you. You just got to march into hell's kingdom. And you got to snatch those hand-me-downs and put them on. Yeah. 
See, I remember growing up, and I'm, I promise I'm hurrying to a close. I remember growing up, my parents were, we were blessed, but they were, my dad's frugal. He's tight with money. And his greatest thing to do was come in with this big trash bag of hand-me-downs. You know what I'm talking about? Big trash. I had an older cousin. He would come in with that big black trash bag. I'm like, oh, man, I know what this is. <laughs> began to look through that bag. Began to look. See, it didn't belong to me. But it was given to me. That's the same type of thing that God is getting ready to do for us. See, some of you are a little bit weird, weirded out with this concept. But can I tell you, I'm not ashamed to wear hell's hand-me-downs. I might have been ashamed to wear the hand-me-downs that were given to me whenever I was 15 years old. But let me tell you what, I'm not ashamed to wear hell's hand-me-downs because it's a testimony of God's power. Can you imagine what would happen as they march across the Red Sea and as time had passed and children would begin to look at their mom. Maybe they get up in the morning and all of a sudden mom's got a weird garment on. Hey, mom, why are you wearing that? What in the world? Why are you wearing that? That's that Egyptian robe you're wearing again. She's like, sweetheart, listen, I am not ashamed to wear hell's hand-me-downs. I'm not, a, because this is a testimony that God not only meant, took the evil that was meant for us and turned it around for good, but God also took the good that was never meant for us and he gave it to us. That's who you are. That's the lineage that you're a part of. Come on, don't you be afraid. Don't you be ashamed to wear hell's hand-me-downs. It's a testimony of God's power in your life. Is there anybody in this place that can say, I'm a... I'm a recipient of hell's hand-me-downs. I'm a recipient of the good that was never meant for me. I'm a recipient of the power that was never meant for me. But hell may have prepared it. But the just, I put it on. Jobs never meant for you. Hell may have prepared it, but the just are getting ready to put it on. Money, the good that was never meant for you, you're getting ready to put. Now, some of you think I'm preaching prosperity. I'm not, I promise you, I am not preaching prosperity gospel because here's what it is. God is going to do this for the furtherance of his kingdom. God is not going to do this so that you can walk around. But God's got a plan for this city. God's got a plan for this church. And in order for that to happen, there are going to be some things that we're going to have to put on that we never created, that we never made happen. But can I tell you, we're going to walk into them because all alone God has allowed the enemy to prepare it. All alone God has allowed the enemy to shape it. But the just shall walk in and we will put it on. Deuteronomy 6, 10, 11, it shall be when the Lord thy God shall have brought thee into the land which he swear unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give thee great goodly cities, which thou buildest not, houses full of good things, which thou fillest not, and wells dig, which thou diggest not, vineyards and olive trees, which thou plantest not, when thou shalt have eaten and be full. Jesus likens in John 4, 35, the harvest being white, the field being white, let me tell you something that God is getting ready to do. The biggest thing that hell has prepared, but that this church is getting ready to put on, is people. There's a revival. There's a harvest. That hell thought he was preparing for himself. But can I tell you, those vineyards and those olive trees, they begin to reap that harvest. And they never planted those things. They never prepared those things. As a matter of fact, their adversary thought that it was meant for them. But when the children of Israel march into the promised land, they begin to reap a harvest that they never prepared for. They... Let me tell you, there are people getting ready to walk in this building. The field is all white with harvest, and we did not prepare it. But can I tell you, we will put it on. We're getting ready to see revival. We're getting ready to see people filled with the Holy Ghost. Hear me. Musicians that hell prepared for his cause, for his good. He may have prepared it, but the just are getting ready to put it on, Maddie.
businessmen that hell prepared for his cause. Hell, you might have prepared them, but the just are getting ready to put it on, Pastor. Singers, doctors, lawyers, people that are talented beyond anything that you can imagine. Hell's prepared them. Hell has cultivated them. Hell has honed them for his cause. But at the very moment that hell thought that it would put it on, God has a position living hope church. And we're getting ready to march into the strongholds of the adversary and take everything that the devil meant for his good. And we're getting ready to put that thing on. I end on this. I end on this. Psalm 2 and 8. God speaks. In Psalms 2 and 8, he says, ask of me. I shall give thee the heathen for thine inheritance and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. Thou shalt break them with a rod of iron. Thou shalt dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. God said, I'm getting ready to give you an inheritance. I'm getting ready to give you something. But you just got to ask. See, some of us are so afraid to ask for God to give us some things because we don't feel worthy. We don't feel like we can have it. We don't feel like we're good enough to walk in the power and the authority that God has us positioned for. But can I tell somebody in this place, you need to have the audacity in your spirit to just begin to ask, God, I want you to do something in my life. God, I want you to begin to pour out something in my home. God, I want you to... I don't deserve it. I didn't prepare it. I, I didn't do the things necessary to have it. But God, I, I believe your word when it says they might prepare it. But the just shall put it on. I want you to stand all across the room. I, I know that some of us, you're wondering what I'm really preaching about. I hope you get what I'm preaching about. It's been 40 years of fighting. It's been 40 years of wrestling. It's been 40 years of just, just grinding it out, just trying to do our best. But I'm telling you right now, there's getting ready to be an explosive revival that God... I know we've talked about it for 40 years. I know we've talked about it for 15 years. But I'm telling you right now, God has allowed this time to pass because they've been preparing it. It's been being made ready for us. And now we're getting ready to march in. Now here's the thing about it. Could anyone have put those garments on any of those children of Israel for them? No. There was not one person that could have come in and put those garments on them. There was not one person that could have made them wear hell's hand-me-downs but it was a deliberate decision every one of them had had to make do i have enough faith to march into my very adversary's home and claim what was theirs but is now mine or am i going to be so afraid of what will happen that I'll miss out on my opportunity to have everything that God has for me see the choice is ours living hope can we remain timid and just go through the motions and never have it? Yes. Can we just remain content where we are and never be what God has called us to be? Yes. But I've come to tell somebody under the divine inspiration of the Holy Ghost today uh, that if we will begin to march uh, into every kingdom and every dominion uh, of the adversary, uh, that God is getting ready to give us things that we could have never got on our own. But the choice is yours. Are you going to march in and put it on? Or are you just going to remain where you are? I believe that there are some people in this place that are saying, Brother James, I'm getting ready to put it on. I'm getting ready to claim. I'm getting ready to believe God for it. So here's how I want us to end. If you're getting ready to put it on, if you're getting ready to take off all those things, those rags, those, those rags of slavery, those rags of bondage, those rags of depression, you're getting ready to walk into what God has ordained for you. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to take off some more rags. The Bible says that he's given us the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. And there are a lot of rags that we 
have to release and put on some things in this place. But the one thing that I want us to put on as a declaration that for the next 15 years, for the next 40 years, it is going to be a season of revival and harvest where God, wherein God does things that we cannot do on our own. This is how I want us to signify that we're going to be a part of that. I want you to take off that spirit of heaviness, and I want every single person that's getting ready to march into the devil's kingdom and claim what is rightfully yours, I want you to take that off, and I want you to put on the garment of praise. I I want you to usher in the next 15 years, the next era of revival and harvest. Come on, that garment of praise is meant for you. Come on, that garment of praise, that garment of worship is meant for you. But you gotta put it on. I can't put it on for you. I can't put it on for you. You gotta make a choice. Come on, would you begin to worship right now? Come on, would you begin to lift up your voice right now? Come on, would you begin to praise? Would you begin to magnify the Lord? Come on. Come on. Somebody lift up your voice right now. Somebody lift up your voice and praise. Somebody lift up your voice and worship. I'm going to praise because the, the just start getting ready to put it on. The just start getting ready to put it on. I'm getting ready to worship. I'm getting ready to dance. I'm getting ready to rejoice. an opportunity right now to pray because here's the thing the enemy might have prepared it but the just are getting ready to put it on the enemy meant to have your life as a mechanism to bring about his will and his kingdom in this community but I believe that there are some people in this place that are getting ready to put on righteousness, that are getting ready to put on holiness. Come on, the devil prepared it, but the just are getting ready to put it on. So if you've never received the baptism of the Holy Ghost before, here's what I want to do. I wonder if you would be so bold as to just lift up a hand and say, I've never received God's spirit. I've never spoken with tongues before, but I would like to receive God's spirit. Okay, we have, we have a couple. Here's what I want us to do. We're going to pray right now. The Bible lets us know in Acts 2 and verse 38 how we put on the salvation that God has for us. The way we do that, the Bible says first we must repent. That means we have to begin to ask for God to cleanse us and wash us of everything that's not like him. Not only that, but we have to make a decision to quit walking towards things that are not like him and begin to walk towards him. So here's what I want us to do. We're getting ready to worship. We're getting ready to praise. We're getting ready to dance and shout and all that stuff again. But if you've never received the Holy Spirit, you've never received God's Spirit in your life, and you want to receive it right now, this is what I want you to do. I want you right now to begin to ask for God to cleanse you and ask for God to wash you. 
of every sin in your life. As a matter of fact, Living Hope, can we just join in with every person right now that's never received God's spirit? And can we begin to ask right now for God's spirit to begin to cleanse and to wash us? Come on, right now, would you lift up your voice? God, I pray right now that you would cleanse me and wash me. Come on, it's not anything that we can do for you. It's not anything, but right now I want you to open up your heart. I open up your mouth and begin to ask. I'm telling you right now, we're getting ready to put it on. I said the revival that we're getting ready to have. Hell may have prepared it, but the just are getting ready to put it on. I want you to repent right now. Come on. God, I ask you to cleanse me. I ask you to wash me. Cleanse me and wash me and renew me. I want to be like you, God. I want to be pure. I want to be holy. I want to be righteous. Come on, just for a few more moments right now, living hope. That's it. Lift up your voices. Come on. Hey, living hope. I want every I know it's been a long way, long day, but I want everybody to be engaged because God's getting ready to put on salvation for some people. Come on. Some people are getting ready to put on salvation. This is the most important thing we've done all day. This right here. Come on, would you stay focused right now? Would you stay engaged right now? Come on. Come on. I want everybody to quit praying just for a moment. I want you to listen to me. Quit praying, quit praying. I need everybody to quit praying for just a moment. I want you to listen to me. Now, if you've just repented of your sins, you're now at a place to where all those things that are not like God have been removed. Essentially, what you have done, you've taken off those rags. And now you're getting ready to walk into what God has for you. Here's how I want you to walk into what God has for you. I want you to walk into what God has for you by praising and worshiping the name of Jesus. If you've never received the Holy Ghost and you want to receive it today, let me tell you the way that you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. It's by magnifying and worshiping God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your strength. Now listen, the Bible says this about, about God. The Bible says that God is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So, now listen, it's not about your volume, it's about your intensity. So, I'm not saying you got to be louder than everybody else in this room, but I am saying if you want to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, there's got to be a fire and an intensity in your prayers. There's got to be a fervency in your prayers, a hunger. If you come up here and you just say, I don't know if I really kind of want it. Chances are, God's not going to give it to you. But for every person that diligently seeks after God, for every person with desperation and hunger in their spirit that would say, God, I want to be filled with your presence. I want to speak in another, I want to speak in a heavenly language as your spirit gives me the ability. For every person that says that and begins to worship God and praise God, can I tell you it is the will of God that you receive the Holy Ghost today right now. And I believe God is getting ready to pour it out in this room. Living Hope, do you believe that? I said, I believe God is getting ready to do it. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pray a prayer in the name of Jesus. And when I do, I want you to begin to worship and begin to praise God. There are going to be people around you that are, now listen, they're not going to shake you. They're not going to do anything weird. But if you'll allow them, they're, they're just going to lay their hands gently on your head and begin to pray for you. Because the Bible lets us know that when they receive the Holy Ghost, people will lay hands on them. And when they laid hands on them, it was an act of faith it was an act of, of obedience to the word of God and when they did that people received the baptism of the Holy Ghost there are going to be some people that are just going to come and lay their hands on you and when they lay their hands on you you're going to feel something begin to happen God's spirit is going to begin to fall on you and you're going to begin to speak in a heavenly language now here's here's the thing when you feel it happen just let it happen it's going to sound weird it may feel weird you may not know what's going on but I want you to close your eyes. I want you to lift up your hands. I want you to lift up your hand. And I want you to with your mouth. You can't receive the Holy Ghost if you don't use your mouth. But with your mouth, I want you to begin to worship and praise God. And as you begin to praise the Holy Ghost, 
is getting ready to fall on you. Living Hope, lift up your hands. Lift up your hands and pray right now. God, by the authority of your word and the power that is in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray that every soul that has never received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, let them receive it right now as it fell on the day of Pentecost. So now, let the Holy Ghost fall now. Receive ye the Holy Ghost in Jesus' name. Now lift up your voice and begin to pray. Come on, live in hope. Lift up your voice to begin to... Sometimes it is easy to start on your destination without knowing the exact path that it takes to get there. To get to our destination, we need to follow the one who knows our predestined path. Be sure to subscribe and watch us every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Also, visit us at www.livinghopemd.com. So I'm going to wait on you, Jesus. I'm going to wait.